Welcome to Psychopath in Your Life. I'm your host, Diane Emerson. I'm the author of the book, Psychopaths in Our Lives, My Interviews, which is available on Amazon, iBooks, and but the only place you get the paperback is Amazon. Um, today, I would like to first start off with, oh, this is episode number 66. Um, today, I'd like to start off with, I've been having this question, why I have views, I'm kind of still waiting for your views, um, about people that help psychopaths. Now, we need to look at it in a very broad sense because because of the cleverness of how the evil transpires, a lot of people may become complicit in the actions of a psychopath without really understanding or knowing what they're doing. Then you've got other people who might actively participate to, for whatever the reasons are, I don't know what the reasons are, but may actively participate knowing that this person is evil, but yet they will willingly play a role in whatever cause of destruction toward the victim. And then you have the category of possibly it's a psychopath that's lined up with another psychopath. So it gives you a whole group of people that can become complicit and um, engaging in these acts of evil. And it always makes me wonder, how do they do it? And sometimes maybe a person with a conscience will participate with a psychopath and maybe in hindsight you might look back and think wow i really got played on that thing and was you know hurt somebody else so then you can kind of look forward and think well were they i had asked the psychopaths i interviewed whether they could pick each other out. And I don't think they always can, but in some of these cases, you can start to see that it was a group of them working together. Maybe the more clever one was in charge or whatever. But um, why do I say this? Well, because unless you're aware of who aids and kind of a Betsy psychopaths, if you're in a relationship with one trying to, through work or personal, or even in the throes of hopefully ending that relationship, you need to really watch how all these other people play into this whole dynamic. And so I'll share with you my views and hopefully some of us, some of you will write to me and tell me what you think happened in your relationship or is happening with other people who are somehow enabling this situation. I feel so strongly that let's say you're in a relationship with a psychopath and you're splitting up or thinking splitting up or whatever, and, or even at work and Normally, the first thing people do is they start to reach out to other people to talk about their situation. Sounds pretty normal. Sounds pretty rational, right? Well, you don't know that by reaching out to be comforted, you might be um, in a very unbeknownst to you, handing information back to this psychopath in your life, whether it be work or pleasure. And why? Well, because... If you're a kind and nice person that the psychopath was attracted to, then I'm kind of guessing that probably the people you hang with or your best friends or your family are probably kind and caring people too. So the, the, the trick is, is that none of us can outthink them because we don't have that evil gene. So they can dream up ways to appear to be caring about you and spreading bad information, all of that, and do it in a way that shows concern. So you see how this could work to start to pull this other person into the dynamics. 
so they can start to find information. Personally, to me, and I know I'm going to sound a little paranoid here, if I was trying to get out of a relationship with a psychopath, I don't even think I would tell my best friend. Unless I had a really ride-or-die kind of best friend who every secret was truly safe with. Because people can inadvertently say things and feed information without knowing about it. So just keep that in mind that the more people that know what your thoughts are when you're trying to disengage with a psychopath or discovering that you're involved with one... The more people know, the more that psychopath is probably going to know because they just have these evil genius ways of getting information. And I can't even, you know, you wouldn't be able to stay awake late enough to try to sort this out. So the best way to do is to circle the tent and know that they have all of these different people along the path. And I'm going to get into a more specific story here in just a minute. So, you know, they, they need to control. So it ends up with them saying a lot of really awful things and projecting onto you those awful things. Because projection is about really a lot of times saying your own worst things out loud, but blaming them on somebody else. And psychopaths are very well skilled at that. So by using projection, they can also use that to extract information from people. Because the whole goal is to build up the image of them as a good person, you as a bad person. There, there is no gray area here, and it's all about control. But I'm really not saying that people close to you would set out to harm you. I want to be really, really clear about that. But really, they're probably no match for a crafty evil psychopath when they go in hunting for information. So that's the point I'm trying to make here. So I have a pretty good example here from Bill, and this is about, um, I was asking him about how he controlled people around him in a work environment, because that's always very tricky, and it's basically the same parallel in a um, social environment, and I might have mentioned him in the past, but it's been so long ago that this, this really pulls it into context here. So here's what Bill has to say. It's a delicate balance. In order to move up, certain actions have to be taken. Certain people stood in the way. They had to go, but there could be no suspicion that I removed them. So I manipulated those around me to take care of that for me. See how he's already setting it up? He's already got his line of people, which at one point he had referred to um, people as puppets, but... He knows who is around him and how he can help take care of them. And he knows he has it so well thought out that he knows how to get you, but he doesn't want anybody to know because he's got people around him. And I don't get the idea through reading through this that the people around him were other psychopaths or people who are truly evil. I think they were just people who were easy to manipulate. So he'll continue on here. He gives a really good example here. Recently, an employee had the nerve to confront me. This was done in a semi-public area of the office. The witnesses were close enough to know that something was happening, but not close enough that they would could hear every word. I knew this employee was going to take this further, and the truth could severely damage my long-term success in the agency. Instinctively, 
I began to provoke this employee in in order to increase her anger, as I knew that she was prone to raise her voice and appear aggressive. Once she began to raise her voice at my provocation, I terminated her. Being a government agency, we have a union, and with and with that require it requires a hearing. After termination, to ensure that there was just cause, I knew this, so I began to stack the deck. He puts in quotes here. I spoke, to, and this really gets key here. How he remember all these people are hearing this stuff, seeing this stuff, but nobody's hearing it because he set it up so they're right in this area where lots of people could see but nobody could hear. So think about the way this bill guy goes about stacking the decks. So here's what he does. I spoke to several key employees who were present during the exchange. When I spoke to them, I was sure that I did not directly bring up the topic of the argument, but gently guided the conversation in that direction. When they bring it up, I interject key components to the story that they did not have. Well, of course, they didn't have key components. They didn't have any components of the story at this point, okay? All they did was see him and this woman out of earshot, but within eye range, having this, uh, what he had turned into a, what Bill had turned into a confrontation, okay? So, okay, so he continues on here. I would supply information such as she cussed, made threats, and had no basis for her concerns. By the time I was done, the witness believed they had actually seen the story that I provided them. They gave firsthand accounts of the created reality I provided them. That is a scary statement, okay, because see how easily he set this up? He set this woman up so that she would maybe move her hands around a little bit, maybe raise her voice a little bit. He set her up, fired her, and then went around to these other people and just guided them with these different parts of the topic. And that becomes key here in just a minute. And the chilling part to me is, he says, they gave firsthand accounts of the created reality I provided them. Okay. Furthermore, during the interview, I was certain to include that created reality into my statement. So he took this created reality and he was made sure that he put that into the statement. I also used truth by my side. By providing factual events in a slightly different chronological order, my story was believable. When they received the statement from the terminated employee, um, he's talking about the higher-ups of the company, the facts she gave lined up with mine, but appeared in a different order than mine. You see, just right above there, this guy is so slick that he basically provided the facts that he's gotten all these people to now buy into, even though they didn't hear a word. All they did was see. He's gotten them to believing they've heard this stuff. So to keep things moving, he puts it in a slightly chronological order, slightly different, meaning so when this woman goes to tell her side of the story, the facts lined up, but they appeared in a different order. 
And he continues on and says, This gave credibility to my statement, since essentially the facts were the same. Since the witnesses collaborated my version of events, it was determined that the employee was intentionally not disclosing her threats and swearing. Remember, she wasn't really... um, uh, she wasn't threatening or swearing <clears throat> to begin with. That was how this was brought into the story. And he goes on to say the termination was upheld. So we were then talking about the different kinds of people he likes to choose. And so he came up with, he says, the ones that are most difficult to manage are what I call the amiables. See, I kind of would have guessed agreeable people would have been easier to manage. But anyway, so he continues on here. They are the ones that want everyone to get along sacrifice something they want to keep the peace. Look for the option that is mutually agreeable with how they operate. These types are very easy to convince into anything. You would think this would be a breeze, right? Absolutely not. I can convince them what I want them to believe. And tomorrow, someone else has convinced them into something else. They need constant attention constant reassurance sounds to me like he's feeling like these amiable people who are willing to go along with him are a little bit hard to manage so he continues on they also experience heavy guilt when making the tougher decisions such as terminating an employee which requires more work on my end and once convinced i have to make sure they do not change their mind before it's completed I will typically avoid them. I look at it as an investment. Wow. See how, if you start to think you're going to outfox one of these people, how they have all this track of evil laid out in their brains? What return will I get for my time? If I can get the same return with someone else for less time invested, I will choose someone else. Unfortunately, this is rarely an option. If there is only the one person in the position I need to influence, then I have no other option. Most things he hears about me are who I may have stepped on or recently pissed off. It is a common occurrence that when I make someone angry, this is interesting because he's observing enough to know that um, if if there's only one person in this position that needs influence, they may be somebody who's heard things about really kind of what a jerk he is. Um, So he sees it as common occurrence that when he makes somebody angry, and he says, luckily I have the ability. So so it's interesting because obviously these people here are feeling some red flags about this guy, Bill, because they're, they're resisting and they've heard things about him. So obviously people in the office are talking about him, but you know, that doesn't stop him. So let me continue on. Luckily, I have the ability to turn this around on them, making it appear that they're angry, that I called them out on their mistakes. This does create enemies from time to time, which must be dealt with. And this is how he gets into how the cover-up starts. And this is where these people that I'm referring to just in general that surround psychopaths are lurking about. And this is Bill continuing. I have a special person who reports to me and is blindly on my side. When he hears anything or anyone say anything negative, he makes sure I'm aware. He also explains my version of events. 
it's an automatic defense system. The most effective, however, is when he tells me what the employees are saying regarding my changes to policy. This gives me the ability to prevent messy conflicts with the union by stacking the deck in my favor early on. He also aids in convincing them that my ideas are actually better for them. Now, so if you think that, um, if you think that any of this is just off the cuff, no, it's plotted out. So here's the thing. They start to set up people, this Bill guy in his work situation, he has this person close to him who's going around and spreading his stories and feeding him back information. They have these huge networks. And so it's almost impenetrable, these networks they build up. Because they have this ability to have such evil thoughts that their mind could go places that no rational person would go. So A, don't underestimate them. B, be aware full-time that it's about control. And C, be very careful who is in your circle. So I'd still like to hear from you. I have more thoughts of my own as far as people within the circle of a psychopath and how they interplay and all that kind of stuff. But I really like to hear your input. And remember, hopefully you will select to um, support the show because where evil exists, good people need to say something. So goodbye for now. I'll talk to you next week and be safe out there. (music) 